There are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession, and it's hard to imagine that anyone has fully ingested all there is to know about the world's most revered beverage. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. But we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. Welcome to Grape Encounters. Your host, David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time. How to have more fun with your wine. Where to enjoy wine the most. How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. So much to think about in the world of wine news this week. A a number of stories that really hit me made me really think long and hard about conventional wisdom when it comes to wine. Sometimes I like to just sit here and pontificate with you. And sometimes I like to have my friend and announcer, Brentanamo, in just to bounce ideas off of. Right here, and I'm ready to ponder. How are you doing, by the way? I'm doing great. Yeah, Yeah, a little back work. You know, I did. I had a, a surgery on my spine. Sounds kind of ominous, doesn't it? No, but you, you're getting around really good now. Well, you know, I couldn't even walk 100 feet. And I went to this uh, doctor, did the surgery. And one hour after the surgery, I'm walking around the hospital. Isn't that something? I don't know what planet I was on at the time, <laughs> yeah. but I was walking around the hospital. Well, I'm glad to have you back. I, I like to have you on because if there's anybody that is closely aligned with me, there's nobody more that way than you. Well, thank you. I think that's a good compliment. You work in a winery? Yes, I do. You have been a long-time announcer and you know, voiceover person, actor, writer. And I have two gold medals for my home wine. And you make wine, too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'd love to just to sit down and chat with you. And I, there were some stories that I guess we could call them even studies that have come out that just had me thinking, you know, a lot. And uh, we're going to jump into that uh, momentarily, but did want to say that this episode of Grape Encounters brought to you by Total Wine and More. If Total Wine and More does not have it, uh, they don't make it. Except they don't carry your wine. <laughs> well, it would be illegal. <laughs> you can't you can't sell home wine. Yeah, check for a location near you. You can buy lots of stuff online as well at TotalWine.com. But anyway, the, the study that I was most intrigued by... And by the way, it's I don't want this to sound like I'm discouraging people from drinking wine, but there's a, an interesting trend that's going on right now. And I wanted to address it thoughtfully because I think there are some options perhaps that people who want to enjoy wine but are really being very cautious where alcohol is concerned. I think there's some other ways – to have it both ways. Your cake and eat it too, right? I am I'm following you or your, up to or a your point. cake bread sellers <laughs> and drink it too. But anyway, uh, Nielsen comes out with this report and it says that 47% of US consumers over the age of 21 are making a concerted effort to reduce their alcohol intake. And that figure jumps up considerably Uh, up to 66% when you're looking specifically at millennials. So the very young part of the population is really um, kind of in a mindset of not drinking as much alcohol. That's not to say they're not drinking. They're just going for some of the lower, and in some cases, non-alcoholic options. Or beers. 
Lower or, alcohol beers. Yeah, or, well, you know, and that's something that's interesting because I didn't see a mention of that in here, but the craft beer market is just so ginormous right now. And the, the, the selections are just, you know, incredible. And yeah, for the most part, most beers are going to be way lower in alcohol than wine, and wine is going to be way lower in alcohol than spirits, right? Generally, that's the case. It's um, generally the case. I don't know about some of the craft beers. They might have higher alcohol. I'm not – Oh, no. There are some that are way yeah, up there. Yeah. Yeah, they're way up and there. And then there's the ciders as well. Yeah, and those are low alcohol. But I think, you know, I'm always telling people on the show that you should go out and discover new varietals and and wines from different places and and explore and get creative in in developing your your wine drinking passion but the thing that i don't think that we really i don't think in 10 years i've ever addressed is the idea that you have lots and lots of choices when it comes to the amount of alcohol in a bottle of wine and and that's where i kind of want to focus for a minute because I think it's super important. Uh, now, for instance, as an example, we, we have people that come in here, uh, and when I say come in here, come into my wine tasting room, which is adjacent to the, the studio here. But they come in and they, they love Moscatos, and I, and I love Moscato. I mean, it's just such a crisp, delicious wine. Of course, there are, are Moscatos that are made in California and other parts of the U.S., but I really love the Moscatos, for instance, that come from Italy where they were born. Generally, are they, are they dry? or are they sweet? No, they're sweet. Yeah. No, they're sweet. And there is definitely a tendency for younger drinkers. God, I hate that word drinker. Doesn't it just sounds dirty, doesn't yeah, it? it? does. It's like, I'm a drinker. Yeah, I think you have to go with uh, something wine, like enthusiast. You know, enthusiast, yeah. Adult beverage consumer. How's that? Oh, okay. I like that. That's, That's very, pretty good, yeah. That's very scientific. Um, there is a tendency, a bent toward lower alcohol. And if you go to something like a Moscato, which is sweet, you're going to find the alcohol level, I've seen it as low as 6-7%. And then when you look to, let's say, uh, something like a Zinfandel, it might be 15-16% or even higher. I've, I've heard of Zins up there around 17 and a half. Yeah. And and so you don't uh, you don't have to you can cut your alcohol in half easily by going to different varietals just doing that and 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 sweeter almost always is going to be lower in alcohol because it's the sugar in there that has to ferment in alcohol. That's right, and Sweet. it's basically a stuck fermentation because you have a lot of sugar left over and the yeast gave up early. I don't think that as many people as should actually look at the wine label and look at the alcohol. Now, now that's, that's not entirely true. I mean, I do, uh, lots of people, you know, do pick it up and they go, oh, wow, that's 14%. In fact, people like to play this game, which is, uh, you yeah, know, they want to the guess what the alcohol is, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but some people ask that question when they feel the wine tastes hot, like it vodka with wine in it. You know, some people are offended by too much alcohol. They can taste it and it bothers them. Yes, it does. And I'm going to, I'm going to, in, in the next segment, we're going to fix that for them. Because there is a solution to that as well. Yes. But anyway, there are lots and lots of choices. And, you know, we see a lot of the wine-consuming marketplace moving to some things that really didn't have much traction in years gone by, and they really do right now. One of them, rosés, huge, big, and generally speaking, lower in alcohol. So there are a lot of options out there. 
But one of the things that I also wanted to point out is is that if if you are sensing if you've been drinking wine for a long time and you are sensing that wine at least a lot of wines are getting higher in alcohol, you might be right. And do you know what the reason is for that? I mean, you're not going to believe this. I'm, a lot of people aren't going to believe this, but it is, I think, the truth. Guesses? You're staring at me. I know exactly why uh, certain wineries, their, their alcohol tends to be hot. I do know that reason. Okay. Well, let's, you tell me that one, and then I'm going to tell you mine, because I know yours is going to be different than mine. Yes. Uh, a lot of the boutique wineries, especially in regions that have very hot days and very cool nights, so that the vines are really working, and the vines really love the cool nights as much as they love the hot days, will come up with a sugar bomb. The grape is actually a sugar bomb. But unfortunately, it tastes just like sugar. It doesn't taste like the grape. So uh, a lot of the boutique winemakers leave it on the vine maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks longer. Now it tastes like a cab. Now it tastes like uh, what it is supposed to be. Now, unfortunately, though, your sugar is way up. So how are you going to deal with that? Well, you crush the grape and there, you have two choices. One, you dilute it with water or you just let it go. And by the way, that's a common practice and it's what I'm actually going to – talk about in just a minute. It's a common practice. Uh, lots and lots of winemakers do it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, but it's been done it's, yeah. been, it's been done forever. But if you have this tremendous fruit, this fabulous fruit, do you really want to dilute it? Well, I'll give you a good argument for why you should. You want I'm to ready. It? You want to hear it? I'm okay. ready. All right. We'll, we'll, we're going to talk about that when we return. With Grape Encounters Radio brought to you by Total Wine and more. Before we take a breather, I want to remind you that with barbecue season in full swing, most of us are going to spend an inordinate amount of time staring at the endless choices of barbecue sauces made to suit every conceivable taste. Now, while that immense selection is wonderful, it can really affect our wine choices because you really want your summer wines to perfectly complement the flavors you love on your chicken or your ribs or whatever. So stop into a Total Wine and More. Describe what's going to be on the grill and the flavors you plan to create, and the experts there can get your pairing dialed in perfectly. And that goes for beer, too. With 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers, no one can help you dial in your grilling game more perfectly than Total Wine and More. David will be back with more Grape Encounters in a couple of minutes, which means there simply isn't enough time for him to enjoy more than a sip or two of one of his faves. Oh, the sacrifices we make in the broadcasting business. The Oregon Wine Experience's Founders Barrel Auction on Friday, August 23rd is an afternoon of elegance. Sample wine futures from Authentique Wine Cellars, Hewitt Cellars, Laurel Ridge Winery, Left Coast Estate, Russell Prayer Rock Vineyards, Stone Griffin Vineyard, Vulcan Cellars, plus many more. The action takes off as you bid on the opportunity to win a case or the whole barrel of Oregon's finest wines. Go to TheOregonWineExperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. 
At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. Back with Grape Encounters Radio and my sidekick, Brentanamo. Great to be a sidekick. It, it, <laughs> it really is. All the pressure is off. I tell you, isn't that the truth? Sometimes I would just like to be a sidekick. Yeah. It'd be much better, right? That's exactly it's right. Just a, it's just a question of who I who gets to kick me in the side. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. There's a lot of pressure having your name on the show. That's right. Yes. And with a name like Brentanamo, yeah, you got to be careful. I don't even know how to spell it. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, <laughs> so we were, we were talking about the alcohol levels in wine. And I was making the suggestion that, look, if you're – they call it uh, sober curious, I guess, this movement that's going on, which is you know drinking less or at least drinking less alcohol. And the first solution, and probably if you love wine and you want less alcohol, there's tons of it out there for you, just tons of it. So you just have to go seek it out. There's a lot of lower alcohol wines out there. Yeah, tons of it. I mean, and we're talking about maybe uh, sometimes 50% less or even more than that. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm familiar with a bunch that are around 11.5 to 12. Yeah, which is, by the way, a big difference. If you think about, you know, 15% versus 10%, that's a third less alcohol, right? Yeah, we're talking 33% yeah. less. Yeah. All right, you mentioned this, uh, you brought up the subject of adding water to wine. Yes. And I've mentioned it a few times on the show, but I, I, I read an article several years ago in the New York Times. I forget who the wine writer was at the time. But he made this really, really interesting case for actually adding a little water to your wine. Now, when people uh, taste too much alcohol in their wine, they, they say it's hot or that it's got to burn or uh, what else do they say? It's got to bite, right? Yeah. Usually I hear hot. Yeah, hot. And it's unpleasant to people. Yes. But, and, but usually if you have lots and lots of fruit, then it's totally in balance. It balances out, exactly. But – one of the things that – well, it was the actually the essence of this article was that if you add just a tiny bit of water to your glass of wine – we're talking about like a teaspoon. 
And I have been teaching this idea for years. It's not my idea. I didn't, you know, I, I don't deserve the credit for it. I do deserve the credit for passing the idea along that just like a teaspoon or less of water added to a glass of wine is not going to dilute the wine. It's actually going to cause the wine to open up. Why? A couple of reasons. First, because alcohol evaporates more quickly. When you're, you've got your nose down in the glass, which we typically do on, on red wines especially, it's all that alcohol that's coming up. And of course, your sense of smell combines with your sense of taste and it overemphasizes the alcohol. But when the alcohol is lessened just a little tiny bit, it's like dropping a curtain down and unveiling a lot of flavors and characteristics of the wine that might have been hidden by the alcohol. You know what I mean? Have you ever, like, for instance, had a, a margarita or, uh, you know, any kind of a mixed drink would be a great example where there was just too much alcohol in yeah, it. and then you It's overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. And then you couldn't enjoy it because the alcohol was killing it, you know? It was just totally upstaging the flavor. But you back there. off a little bit and then all of a sudden you taste the flavors. So anybody that thinks I'm nuts, there's a really good example of how that works. So anyway, try it. Just to, and, and I'm talking about – I'm not even talking about like a teaspoon like you would use for you know getting sugar out of a sugar bowl. I'm just talking about like a, the kind of teaspoon that you would measure for baking. That's it. Just that, that little bit of water will make a difference. And by the way, uh, that's a very good argument – for sometimes, you know, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Yeah, I'm, you know what I'm, I'm going to say, preparing don't preparing myself, yes. An ice cube. But by the way, the other reason that that adding water, I see, I just, I jumped right past it, didn't I? Right. You got away with it. I jumped. The blame right, is I, gone. I jumped right past <laughs> No. Anyway, when you add water to the wine, whether it's using an ice cube or just a, a teaspoon of water, what happens is, is that you're actually aerating the wine. Yes, and the pH changes slightly yeah. too. Lots of lots of cool things happen. So you just yeah. experiment with that, and and you'll see what I mean. It works really really good. And by the way, uh, chilling down your. I'm not sure that I'm a big fan of putting ice cubes in wine, but I, I I've learned to not cringe when people do it. I just and if they want ice, that's fine. It's your wine. You bought it. Well, you know, another thing is a lot of wines are not particularly uh, drunk with food. Some are just refreshing, sit out on the veranda, like a rosé. I enjoyed a, a vacation to Greece a few years back. And I remember I was walking around Athens and from time to time I would go to one of those little outdoor cafes and order a glass of red wine and it would always come chilled. Isn't that interesting? It tastes totally different. Well, it's a hot climate and I, it makes perfect sense. But it also, it, it also really changes the wine completely. All right. So I'm, uh, I, I want to just change subjects now. I'm going to be heading out in uh, two weeks to the Oregon Wine Experience. I, I've been talking about it for a while on the show. And I, I had an opportunity to taste a portfolio of wines, many of which come from Oregon. And they're made by young Joe Wagner of the incredible Wagner winemaking family. And his story is so interesting. And I got to taste this portfolio just today. And I had just coincidentally read this extensive uh, article. It was a two-part article about Joe. He made the very famous Mayomi wines. And the brand, get this, he sold for $315 million dollars Wow. In his in his young thirties. Wow. 
Can you imagine that? And that's just the label that he sold, right? And that's just the label. He didn't sell a vineyard. He didn't sell a winery. He didn't sell anything. But uh, some of the wines in that, um, he's got the quilt wines, which are Cabernets, Chardonnays, and a a really good uh, red blend that I just had. Uh, The Bone. How's that spelled? uh, uh, It's B-O-E-N with two dots above it. And then he's got um, his Bell Glass Vineyard Pinot Noirs, which are which are absolutely famous. But I had so much fun drinking these wines because they are the kind of profile that I like. And I just say this because when you latch on to a, a winemaker or a wine expert that has a palate that is like yours, hang on for dear life. You know, because if they're good, if they're compatible with what you love, then, you know, check out a lot of their stuff. I think I'm looking at probably like maybe 20 different wines here, which, by the way, uh, and I checked just a little while ago to see if they're available at Total Wine, and they uh, carry the entire portfolio. Wow. And um, and it also includes the Ilawan wines, which are uh, predominantly Oregon in fact, I guess they all are Oregon as well. So, uh, and I've I've had just one of those wines before, but I really I just love Oregon Pinot. So anyway, what, it, now what's that label again? It's uh, Elowan. It's spelled E L O U A N. It was probably one of the most consistently delicious portfolios that I've had in a long time. Where it's like, oh my gosh, I like every single one of these. That that's a rarity when you've got you know twenty wines that you're selling, right? Right. All right, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters in just a bit. And our announcer in the studio with me today, Brent Tonimo. We've got to take a breather for a minute or two. Don't go away. Remember, if we don't let the wine breathe, it's impossible for the show to be done in good taste. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. If you're topping off your burger with grilled onions and blue cheese, pair your work of art with a spicy Malbec. Nothing beats a buttery Chardonnay with grilled corn on the cob. I'm ready to find you the perfect bottle of white for your next get-together. Pack up the cooler for this weekend. We've got canned wine and beer ready to throw on ice. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine & More. Cheers! I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com Savor Oregon's finest wines at the Oregon Wine Experience's Grand Tasting on Sunday, August 25th. Work your way through the tasting tables and enjoy an array of delicious culinary bites. Don't miss this special opportunity to sample wines from all corners of Oregon in one unique location. The wine pours start at 2 p.m. Plan your experience today. 
Go to TheOregonWineExperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. Welcome back to Grape Encounters, where we believe there's no way to fake a great wine, and where we never fake our disdain for the really bad ones. There's just about no end to the number of wine memes that are out there, and uh, one of them that I see all the time says, coffee in the morning, wine at night. And uh, I've got my dear friend and announcer here, Brentanamo. And I have got a very interesting revelation to share with you that comes from the Daily Mail. That's a English. In jolly old? Yes, exactly. Yes. From, uh, from the UK. By Jove. Okay, now get this, okay? Now we always sort of, we've always believed conventional wisdom that when we, when we drink coffee late in the evening, that it's very likely to keep us awake at night, right? I mean, you don't know, you you'd think so? I, I mean, would think for, so too. For me, it seems to be the case. I mean, I know if I have a soda, like a, a Coke or something like that, or a Pepsi, to be fair. Yeah. Um, man, I can't sleep at all. However, my father used to drink coffee right before going to sleep, and that would put him right to sleep. Well, guess what? So here's what's going on with the study. They they studied the effects of alcohol, nicotine, and coffee on how well a person sleeps. They had exactly uh, 785 people in this study. Guess how long it went on for, the, the length of the study. Hmm. Uh, 14 years. 14 years, that seems like overkill to yeah, me. Yeah, 14 years, a lot of these people are like six years old when they yeah. started, right? <laughs> Maybe that's what made them and, so sleepless. <laughs> and they found that coffee was not strongly linked to sleepiness. What's and that, that again? Yeah, that? coffee was not strongly linked to sleepiness. I don't, and it doesn't say decaf there, by the way. So yeah. I don't know what that's all about. Hmm. But wow, uh, they they found that nicotine was the most strongly linked to insomnia, followed by alcohol. And and I'll tell you this: that you know, a, there are a lot of us who like to you know have a glass of wine before you go to bed, or a glass of port. Oh yeah, it's but but relaxes I, I me. Yeah, generally it does, and it, it makes me fall asleep. But I will also say that if if I have imbibed a bit much, mm-hmm. boy, does it impact me. I really notice that if I if I drink, I do. If I drink wine late at night and then I I go to sleep, and it's been a a, a long night of wine. You know, we've had uh, shared. You know, I don't want to say overindulged, but I just you know we've been drinking wine. I don't necessarily sleep as well. So what they're saying in this study is that one of the things that you should take into consideration is just the amount of time between when you're consuming and the time that you go to bed. And they're suggesting four hours is kind of the, is the magic number. And I think what's really interesting about that is how I always, when it came to drinking coffee, and, and I sometimes like to have a, a really nice cup of coffee after dinner or something like that. I always like to give myself about four hours before I go to bed. Well, so that's true. I had the wrong, I don't know, I guess I had it all wrong. But I guess we're we're all different, right? Well, if you're you know if you're prone to acid reflux or something like that, that's a good idea for anything, even tomato juice. Is do not find yourself horizontal until four hours after you've uh, drunk the tomato juice. Tomato juice is very acid. By the way, have you ever had tomato wine? Never. I have, and it's really actually it's pretty good. 
It's actually pretty good. Really? I'm surprised, actually, that you don't see more of it because it, it actually is it, – it, maybe it sounds terrible, but it really isn't terrible at all. It's actually pretty delicious. But uh, we digress. Anyway, just a, an interesting little factoid, all of these things that uh, – that we learn, and I like to just pass them along to you. And, you know, do with that information what you want to do with that information. But don't lose sleep over it. But do not lose uh, sleep over it. Yeah, you know, I uh, going to change the subject for just a second here because I I heard something um, today that re- it really saddened me last week, uh, or maybe the week before last. I mentioned the death of uh, Charlie Barra, who, who died well into his nineties, and a, a real legend in the. California, actually the American wine industry. But another person uh, that we lost this week is Bunny Becker. And if you're into Texas wines, um, Bunny Becker and uh, her husband are absolutely legendary there. And they've really taken the art of winemaking a a really long ways. And I just mention it because I had a really great opportunity to go there and interview both of them, two of the sweetest people you ever, ever want to meet. Just wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, Dr. Becker, her husband, was very famous in the medical world. And and these folks really hobnobbed with some really important people in uh, in the Texas society circles, but couldn't have been more more humble. And I really really enjoyed the wines that they make in the hill country near Fredericksburg, Texas. And there's a really fast growing wine industry there, but I guess they've been making wine for about the last quarter century there. And it's a it's a wine industry that is really taking hold. And the Texas wine industry has much to uh, that it owes to Bunny and Richard Becker. And the winery is really beautiful, by the way, just a, a great setting. So my condolences. Uh, to Dr. Becker and and what a loss! Just the most elegant woman, I just elegant person that I have met in a long, long time, and their hospitality was just not to be believed. And I'll always remember very fondly those days. But and by the way, if you do get a chance to try some Texas wines, check them out. Have you had Texas wine? Actually, I haven't, and they are terrific. Not all of them. I'm I'm, I'm not going to go that far because I've I've had some that uh, need a little work. One of the things that I and I and I this is not a a broad accusation, but one of the things that I found that was interesting about some of the winemaking techniques in Texas is a lot of added acid. You know, it's it's common to add acid back, but at least the some of the winemakers that I met were adding. Um, you know, and it's not it's not uncommon to do that, but we're adding more acid than I would like to taste in a in a bottle of wine. So that's... Well, wine really should have a pH of about 3.5. Yeah. And if you add acid on top of that, it might be a little too tangy for most tastes. Yeah. It's a it, it, to me, I'm not I'm not big on acidic wines. No. I, I really and, and 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 a lot of people don't really realize what they're tasting, but you used a really really super good word which is tangy. And that's what it tastes like. But then after a while, it just – to me, it becomes bitter and, and unpalatable. However, but, if it doesn't have enough acid, then the wine gets flabby 
and falls apart really fast. Yeah. But going back to the Texas wines for a second, they have a it's a real uphill battle to make wine in Texas, certain parts of Texas. It's probably the humidity I'm going to get. Well, yeah, they get a lot of mold from what I understand they'll yeah. do. And the other thing is they get a lot of hailstorms <laughs> and they they'll and really really heavy rainstorms and that can affect them two different ways after they've had bud break. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the the grapes, they the the grapevines are very susceptible to damage. Yeah, at that point in time, the hail usually knocks all the buds off and also knocks all the leaves off. So you really have a lot of problems when you do when that happens to and, you. But then now you get late in the season; it's time for uh, just about time for harvest. Now a thunderstorm comes in, yeah. you know, and starts knocking the grapes off and beating the heck out of the the vines. So yeah, that's a resilient bunch. Those Texas winemakers, I will tell you that. Yeah, I think I've seen some netting techniques that have really helped with the hail. Well, and we net uh, grapes here too, but that's to keep the birds out. Correct. Yeah, because uh, having your grapes stolen is for the birds. <laughs> and you know what they, they use as well here, and it's been very controversial. i got to just say it real quick because we got to take a little break, is those, those cannons. Oh, they're, they're terrible. Oh, they're that's a, nuts. you know, whose idea was that? I don't know. And, and you and I have a mutual friend, and I lived on his property, <laughs> and he's a he's a grape grower and winemaker, and he's got a cannon. When I rented his guest house, I mean, it sounds like a war zone when yeah. those things go off, and it's just to scare the birds and the neighbors and everything else, <laughs> the dogs, the cats, everything, the horses out in the pasture. The Tr- trouble thing. is the birds go to your neighbor's vineyard. and <laughs> Yeah, you know what they're doing now? They're, they're switching from cannons to lasers. Lasers? Yeah, they got these lasers, and then they – I don't think they hurt the birds. They just – the laser just startles the birds, and they fly away. Huh. And they're like uh, – as I understand it, they're up high. And then when they detect a bird or movement or something, you know? I don't know. I don't know much. High-tech annoying. I don't know much about that, but anyway, all right. Hey, we got to go to a break, but uh, I'm going to bring on um, one of the head mucky mucks for the Oregon Wine Experience. Just to check in and uh, make sure my room is ready because I can't wait to go. And that's going to be something I'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks. Can't wait. I'm going to do a lot more than drink wine and eat there, though. I'm going to do some outdoor activities, and I'll, I'll let you all know about it, okay? So we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Sometimes drinking wine makes you just want to curl up in a comfy chair and dream about puppy dogs, faraway places, and other happy thoughts. Or you can just enjoy that cuvee in your glass and lose yourself in the conversation on Grape Encounters Radio. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Nothing beats beers and burgers. And with so many to choose from, we've got the perfect cold one waiting for you. Serving up salads at your cookout this weekend? Add a dry rosé to the table for a perfect pairing. When I'm the barbecue grill master, I've got to have a cold lager in my hand. Hey, grab me another. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine & More. Cheers! 
Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. People often ask, why hasn't someone tarred and feathered Grape Encounters host David Wilson for breaking so many of the old rules? Simple. No one likes the old rules. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio, brought to you by Total Wine and More. They are definitely your summertime barbecue wine store. If you can't find the perfect wine to go with those ribs or chicken or whatever you've got grilling out in the backyard, you are not at a Total Wine store. Okay? And check them out. If you want more information about Total Wine, go to TotalWine.com. I got to tell you what, I am getting very excited. I have been actually waiting to take a trip that I'm going to be taking in the next two weeks. It was on my bucket list. I was up in Oregon toward the end of last year. And did a wonderful motorhome trip, and hopefully you had a chance to follow that episode. Actually, it was multiple episodes of Grape Encounters. And one thing led to another, and we became acquainted with the Oregon Wine Experience, which is the paramount wine and food event in Oregon, encompassing a great number of winemakers, a great number of foodie people, chefs and and restaurants and things like that, and lots of things to do and lots of education And I have on the line right now Sarah Ann Driggs from the Asante Foundation. And she's one of the big kahunas when it comes to putting this event together. And Sarah Ann, I'm so glad to have you on. Oh, thank you for having me, David. I feel like I need to get my surfboard out now and wax it down. (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, are you getting excited? The pressure's on right now, right, to get this event together? Definitely. We're very excited. Um, and it's good pressure. You know, we always love that kind of last minute inner push to put on this exquisite event. We're thrilled to have you come up and be a part of it this year. I'm so looking forward to it. And this particular event is in Jacksonville. And I just buzzed through there at the end of last year and never really got a chance to even get out and walk around. When people are not having fun at the events, what are just some of the things in the area that they should explore? Yeah, Jacksonville is a great quintessential town. It features so many 
incredible activities. They play host to the Brit Music Festival, which has various acts from classical to rock come through. They also have the Peter Britt Walking Trail. So if you're a hiker, it's a great day to spend out in nature. An incredible list of restaurants lining the strip of California Avenue, which is their main street. And then if you just kind of go down the road a little bit to some of the other surrounding towns, can head down to Ashland and, of course, take in a world-renowned production at Oregon Shakespeare Festival. You can head up to Lake of the Woods and even a little farther out to Crater Lake and enjoy your time out on the waters. And then you can, you know, go the opposite direction, head out to the coast and take in the Oregon Caves and, of course, some of the beauty of Oregon out on the coast and Bandon and Brookings. Let's talk about the Oregon wine experience. The proceeds benefit the Asante Foundation and that in turn benefits a lot of people in need where health is concerned. Can you just give a rundown of how the earnings from this event will be used? Yes, so 100% of the proceeds that we raise go directly to our local hospital system, Rogue Regional, Sante Three Rivers, and Asante Ashland. And our Sante Rogue River is one of Children's Miracle Network's designated hospitals. So a majority of our funds raised will go directly into that program, but we do have other healthcare programs that receive funds through this event. Now, the event goes on for a number of days. You can participate in a lot of different things. So first day is the 22nd, correct? Yes, it's our medal celebration, and that's when we unveil the winners of the 2019 Oregon Wine Competition. And that competition occurred a couple weeks ago where we brought in six judges, two masters of wine, two master sommeliers, and two renowned wine writers that came in and assessed just about 325 wines from 91 different wineries throughout the state of Oregon. All the medal winners will be available to taste. And then at our grand tasting, which is our concluding event on Sunday, all of our participating wineries that are pouring will pour their medal winners along with some other wines to kind of tease the public. With. Oh, nice. That's incredible. I want to talk about the salmon bake for a second because I have really been thinking a lot about that. It just sounds... I think a lot of people think about it. Yeah. It's, is that something that people just are addicted to and they got to come up there? Is it a special kind of salmon and a special preparation? How does that work? It is. So the Kokoel Indian tribe who have been our partners pretty early on with this event. They only do the plank steak salmon. It's a 10,000 year tradition of how they prepare it. And they only do it at very limited events outside of their own tribal events. So this is something where they come down, they literally plank steak the salmon that morning, and they build the fire pit in the shape of a salmon and are basically preparing it throughout the day for our guests to have it fresh. Literally, it's caught uh, the day before on the 23rd, and then they bring it in the morning of the 24th, and they'll have it ready to go onto your plate and into your mouth very shortly after it. It's a mouth-watering experience. What happens if it's a bad fishing day? Do they head to Costco? They do have a plan in place. You know, they have a couple of uh, backups if the waters of Oregon are not playing nice the day before. Yeah, the the waters of Oregon are traditionally pretty nice to fishermen, I believe. Isn't that correct? They are, yes. I never caught a fish until I came to Oregon. So (laughs) it's basically a fisher person's dream if you 
want to catch a fish. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm so excited to come up there. For people who want to participate in the event, they just go to theorganwineexperience.com. I think I've got that right. Yes, you do. All right. Terrific. Well, I will be there. And um, goodness, you know, if, if you're coming and you get a chance, uh, you know, drop me a line through our contact form at grapeencounters.com and let me know how to get a hold of you. You know, just give me your cell phone number or whatever, and I'll definitely connect with you when you're there. So I look forward to doing that. Sarah Ann, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. It's a very foodie, wine-centric state. I don't know that there is greater passion any place than there is an organ for food and wine. Yeah, we, we love this state and everything that we can produce within it. We love sharing it with those who come to visit. So we're excited to have you as well as our other guests coming for Oregon Wine Experience. Okay, great. Well, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. But we'll be back here next week with some fun stories for you to dive into with us. Until then, have a really great week and uh, we'll talk very soon. Well, this episode of Grape Encounters is in the bag. It's hard to imagine you haven't missed some episodes, so why not hunt them down at grapeencounters.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast sites. Grape Encounter Studios are located in beautiful Atascadero, California. That's Central Coast wine country, baby. Come visit us. But be warned, you won't want to leave. That's okay, we have a spare bedroom. But it's 55 degrees and full of old bottles. Music